0: hello everyone just want to make a quick disclaimer about the audio quality specifically my voice in this episode because i had them on the wrong settings and it doesn't sound as great so very sorry about that we hope you still enjoy the show and i'll let the music go
1: hello and welcome back to another episode of sip conscious a podcast made by two confused friends over two confusing drinks trying to become a little less confused about the world around them my name is joseph and joining me as always is colin we're two longtime friends on opposite ends of the world here to share our catch-ups in the most millennial way possible a podcast this week we bring to you
0: two not so... Well, I don't know about two. One not so confusing drink on my end.
1: Mm.
0: Remember when we had that conversation about... um, Oh, like, our coffee... Like, we both get really bad caffeine... Like, what do you call it? Like, crashes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this week, I'm drinking decaffeinated coffee. Nice. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's, like, a thing in Hong Kong where people don't like decaf. Or maybe just that one supermarket I went to has... It really... Low selection of decaffeinated <laughs> coffee, but um, right I kid you not. There were two massive shelves of coffee beans I could choose choose from, yep. and there was only one bag by Waitrose that was decaf.
1: <laughs> Wait, are they like pre-ground?
0: No, so it's just like beans. Oh,
1: actually, how would you? I guess then, like, it would be like a dark roast, right?
0: Mm, I have no clue. I uh. I, I threw I threw out the uh, wrapper, so I don't remember. Not gonna lie, <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> I think it was medium, but uh okay,
1: yeah. Because I actually I don't really know how it works, like how to like decaffeinate coffee, especially like if they come like in beans, or do they like just grow coffee that doesn't have as much ca- caffeine in them? Like,
0: yeah, not too sure. I think we just gotta find some resource on that. Perhaps next time, if, I, I yeah, I think next time I could do an episode on that. To be honest,
1: Ooh, nice, nice. Yeah. Well today I am also not having <laughs> too confusing of a drink. I guess today's intro is a bit of a <laughs> Liar. <laughs> <bit> of a <laughs> but yeah. Today I am having a nice lemon ginger um drink. Uh I'm not too sure if it's like fermented or not, but um it's like you know those like nice Korean looking mason jars that oh, yeah? they have like the concentrate in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with like the lemon peels and everything and Yeah, so you just mix that with water. And it's pretty nice. It's nice and soothing. Uh, The tanginess of the lemon. The sharpness of the ginger. (laughs) (laughs) All these nice tasty descriptors. Um, Yes. uh, A bit of an allusion to my topic today. but uh...
0: (laughs) Oh. Oh. So, with that intro, there was a little break that we took we didn't discuss what we were, you know, gonna talk about, but it seems that both our topics may be similar. Mm. Right. So I'm just gonna come out with mine. <laughs> so I won't be talking about decaffeinated coffee next episode because I've prepped that for this episode.
1: Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> Is this the same topic? No, no. But very similar. <laughs> Is it?
0: Okay. Yeah. I thought it just yeah. I was going to reveal it at the start, but you, you said the whole line about, oh, I wonder how it was made.
1: So I was like, right, right, right. Oh, that's just perfect. Just you then. wait, sir. <laughs> <You're>
0: <laughs> just you it. wait. Yeah. Now I'm excited about yours. But okay. anyway, let's get down to brass tacks. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> so how do you take out the caffeine? So I think there's a thing that we need to know about caffeine is that caffeine dissolves in water. Mm. The chemical. Yes, and to decaffeinate, you know, the coffee bean, what we need to do first is to find a specific way to dissolve away the caffeine from the bean, but leave as much as possible, you know, the compounds and oils and flavors of the coffee. Obviously, right? Yeah. And I'm um, gonna start with the story of its discovery, because um, the method that you know, or the basis of the method of the discovery. It's still kind of used today, even though it's not the only way. But the first person to find this practical decaffeination method was a German man called Ludwig Rosilius, Hmm. who is the head of the German coffee company, Cafe H-A-G. And he discovered the secret of decaffeination by accident in 1903 when he had a shipment of coffee um, swamped by seawater in transit which he found out leached uh, in turn, you know, the caffeine actually leached out, but the flavor did not. Oh. So what he did was try to replicate this, uh, this whole process in an industrial, with an industrial method by steaming the beans with um, various acids before using a solvent and specifically benzene to remove caffeine. Mm. Um, and then therefore decaffeinated coffee was born. But unfortunately, benzene turns out to be a possible carcinogenic um, <laughs> compound. <laughs> As yep. you, you know. We, we can find it in crude oil, <laughs> gasoline, plastics. So, you know, things that we don't really want to ingest. <laughs> so how do we do it nowadays? Um, so actually, going back to what you said, I think you were assuming that um, the, the decaffeinated process comes from grounding it up,
1: mm, right? Yeah. So it actually,
0: yeah. So it's actually, you decaffeination starts with unprocessed green coffee beans, Mm. which is contrary to the popular belief until I searched it up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, but nowadays there are generally four ways um, that are done, and the first two are very similar to Rosellius's own technique of using a solvent. And um, actually, Joseph, if since you're a chemical boy
1: would you describe <laughs> what a solvent is solvent is uh basically a liquid that you use to uh, dissolve something out and i guess it can like come in different forms but depending on like what you want to dissolve out of it um you'd use a specific kind of solvent so if you're if the let's say caffeine was a polar substance then you'd use a polar solvent and if if caffeine was a non-polar substance, then you use a non-polar solvent.
0: Cool team effort right here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so the first method it's called direct solvent technique, which uses organic m- chemicals such as dichloroth- dichloromethane or ethyl lactate. I mean, mm. both of which my laptop uh, um, dictionary uh, deem as not words. <laughs> <laughs> but I can, yeah. I can assure you they are words
1: <laughs> yeah no I get, I relate to that. imagine writing like a, a report on word and it's just like half of these words are just red
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> but anyways um, what, what happens in this process is that they first use hot steam um, to kind of open up the pores of the coffee beans of the, of the green coffee beans which is very similar mm-hmm. to actually how barley is treated for beer before they get, yeah, or, mm-hmm. you know, because you need to also wow,
1: what a crossover. open up
0: pores. Yeah, <laughs> the tube, yeah. And then basically open up pores and then before they get rinsed, oh, sorry, and then they get rinsed by the solvent for around 10 hours to selectively take the caffeine out. Mm. The solvent say, uh, being, you know, the solvent with the dichloromethane and ethyl acetate. But the problem with this is that um they're also carcinogenic <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in, large dose- <laughs> in large doses. in large doses but um you know, there are strict you know limits on having less than ten parts per million of the solvent left on the beans mm. um after the final roasting, which is going to be at around two hundred degrees Celsius so right. there isn't that much of a risk because there are limits, but mm-hmm. it's not fun anyways so
1: it's not zero <laughs> yeah
0: so I mean if there is a choice to choose between this direct solvent technique and others I would probably choose others
1: mm.
0: now the second one is called indirect solvent technique and as the name suggests the solvent in itself never comes in direct contact of the bean. Okay. so what happens is the beans get soaked in hot water which yep. in itself makes coffee <laughs> and then it is t- and it, it is um drained off, as in the beans are taken out, and the solvent is instead added to the coffee liquid. Right. Or extract, let's call it extract. Yeah. And then so what happens when they are mixed together? The caffeine is then bonded to the solvent. And then we'll then and then what they do is heat it back up and then the solvent will evaporate out of the coffee liquid and oh. along with the caffeine. And yeah. then what you're left with is an extract of decaffeinated uh coffee yeah
1: yeah this is distillation oh my gosh <laughs> yeah <laughs> ptsd <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what happens after that is that you take the same beans that you just uh that you boiled the liquid with and you put them back into this decaffeinated coffee extract where mm-hmm. and then the coffee beans then reabsorb back in the flavors the oils and compounds oh interesting yeah i mean a bit high maintenance but uh i guess it's safer you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's I don't know, I, I just thought it was really interesting. Um and then the third way is a process no longer to do with solvents, but um is a process called Swiss water process, which as it suggests yet again, uses water mm. and was pioneered in Switzerland. <laughs> well wow. yeah. I wonder what yeah. tipped that off. <laughs> <laughs> And same thing as the indirect solvent technique in brewing that massive bowl of coffee extract. Uh, what it The only thing that differs is that instead of re-soaking, um, the re-soaking process and adding the solvent, it is poured over charcoal, which traps caffeine molecules somehow.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of weirdly, instead of using the flavorless beans to kind of re-soak them, we throw them away. Mm-hmm. And then we get a new batch of beans. So what happens is that you boil these new beans in this decaffeinated coffee extract. And because the extract is so high in these coffee compounds and flavors and there's no caffeine, mm-hmm. the beans during boiling will leach out the caffeine, but not its flavor. Uh, so this is Yeah. So this is literally osmosis, yeah.
1: Yeah, this is osmosis what with caffeine. <laughs>
0: yeah. So you do that in like with the, like through several cycles, you know, soak, drain, reboil, repeat. And then you know, at a certain time you'll get a chemical, I guess, makeup of the beans and liquid, which is at equilibrium where only the caffeine is being sucked out. And then yep. you'll most likely get like 99.9% caffeine free. Um so yeah, it's a very 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 uh um, productive or like efficient way mm. of taking out all the caffeine. Um, but there are definitely obvious drawbacks due to uh, it, the intense amount of labor and resources needed slash wasted. Mm. Um, though it's more green because you don't need to use these chemicals and a lot safer.
1: Mm. It's a much more elaborate process.
0: Yes. And um, the last technique is called supercritical carbon dioxide extraction. Ooh. This is probably the coolest one.
1: Does this have anything so, to do with the critical point of carbon dioxide?
0: I believe so.
1: Ooh, okay, I'll let you. I'll let you explain.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe so. So, by cha- as you may know, by changing the temperature of the gas, it will behave differently. Mm. And notably, if you you know have carbon dioxide at around a hundred atmospheres. With the you know the pressure,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it would become a liquid, and this state is known as critical. Yeah. And so, if the coffee beans are exposed um, to this supercritical CO2 in in a hundred atmospheres or in this high pressure, the CO2, I don't know how, will pass through the beans and pick up the caffeine. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do after that is pump out the CO2 depressurized and you're left with decaffeinated coffee beans and then the CO2 and the CO2 becomes gas again. And you're left with like little pellets or like, you know, like caffeine extract. Hmm. Again, this is very, very expensive. Very similar to the uh, (laughs) Swiss water process, though. It is cool. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, those are the four ways that you could decaffeinate coffee. And uh, one last fact for you, um, it turns out that a lot of the decaffeinated process is not actually done by any roasters, and they're usually done by specialists in decaffeinated decaffeination companies um, mm. based in all over the world. Right. Yeah. So that's how me and Joe won't get caffeine crashes, thanks to <laughs> CO2, the Swiss, and carcinogenics. <laughs>
1: I have a much simpler solution. What is this? Just have Don't tea. Drink coffee. <laughs> 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 that is true, that is true. Yeah. Either one works, whatever your preference is. So, Colin I don't know how into coffee you are. (laughs) You can can clearly tell I wrote this before we recorded your section. (laughs) Um, But I've always enjoyed coffee in a pretty casual sense. And, you know, I'll usually order like a flat white or a cappuccino when going for like brunch or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or like make a simple like Americano at home. Uh, And, you know, we've talked about this before, but I personally don't tend to use coffee for productivity because of the aforementioned crash. Uh, yes. But I usually enjoy coffee as more of like a nice beverage to enjoy.
0: It tastes um, so good.
1: Yeah. It's good for like, you know, when you're uh, making a podcast. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, in saying that, I've always had a really casual relationship with coffee um and yeah i just kind of know that i like the taste of coffee and the aroma and that's just enough for me to enjoy it yeah Mm -hmm. like how about you like would you say you're in like the same boat
0: yeah i feel like i like coffee purely for its taste
1: Mm. which
0: is which is great and nothing wrong with liking it for the caffeine rush i just i don't know Yeah. yeah i think the crash just always puts me off sometimes
1: yeah and yeah there's no doubt you know coffee culture is pretty big in many parts of the world especially here in australia um and yeah like people tend to take coffee pretty seriously like even if it's not like you know just for like the caffeine rush or anything uh because like i know a lot of people around me who like they really know what they want from their coffee like they'll describe the notes from what they drink and um i think i think like you i think because like you know you've done a little bit of that with like the beers you've tried and stuff right yeah um Yeah, and I think out of, like, our friend group, like, you know, um, you're probably the top dog beer connoisseur. (laughs) (laughs) I I won't Um, say
0: connoisseur, I drank some beers, (laughs) mm -hmm. and I liked
1: them. But yeah, so I guess a part of me was always kind of, like, a bit intimidated by that scene, or by any kind of, like, quote-unquote, like, connoisseur of a specific drink, Mm. Um, whether that be, you know, coffee, tea, or beer. Uh, But, like, I just decided that i wanted to be able to describe what i like more specifically and you know definitely to be more aware and intentional about what i enjoy okay so of course not to the level of being a snob like oh espresso is the only way to enjoy coffee (laughs) (laughs) but more on the level of like hey i can describe what i like right like this is this is what i like um Yeah. yeah so this week, I decided to learn a bit about how to taste coffee.
0: Oh, that's good. I have a bit of mind left. I can, uh, I can do a little trial. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, um, yeah, actually, this is perfect. You can like <laughs> describe as we go. Yeah. Um So I should have had a coffee today, but oh well. <laughs> so, what I learned this week was heavily inspired by James Hoffman's video on YouTube called "A Beginner's Guide to Coffee Tasting." which I think is quite brilliant. And I think anyone who wants to like dip their toes into like coffee stuff should like check out his, his channel and stuff. Um, I think, you know who James Hoffman is as well. Um, like, yeah. yeah, I think yeah, anyway,
0: super soothing oh. voice.
1: Yes. A very, very nice voice. Very nice hair. Yeah. <laughs> and just style. <laughs> Man's got style. <laughs> ah. anyway. uh, so yeah, it's pretty funny because I, I will be linking a little bit, with some of this stuff to like the taste buds episode um Ooh, okay but fear not no mechanisms today i will not burden <laughs> you with science today <laughs> um so yeah so actually he recommends having like multiple coffees um like two is a pretty good starting point uh because a great way to develop taste is to compare because you want a frame of reference when you're nice. like tasting things um but you know we'll We'll, we'll make do with what we have. You can use your current, le- current decaf coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he breaks it down into six distinct things to look for in coffee. And first up is aroma or smell, which makes complete sense. Like smell is like a large component of taste. And, you know, I think we can all agree that the smell of roasted coffee is fantastic. Um, okay. So he has a coffee tasting guide that accompanies the video, oh. which has two scales and one is of intensity and one is of quality so it's important to look out for whether it's you know like a light pleasant smell or like an intense unpleasant smell and everything in between so uh how do you find your coffee is it like in terms of intensity what's like just like how strong the smell is
0: i think it's not that intense i think it's like a light pleasant smell because it's very uh. coffee but it doesn't smell like bitter or like yeah i don't know how to describe it like you know some like cold dry coffee when it's just just kind of like ashy
1: mm.
0: not cold dried coffee what is that makes no sense like cold, <laughs> cold like no not cold brew, like just like hot coffee that turned cold and been sitting oh, for like, yeah. quite for a while yeah that's what i meant yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: so yeah. it's still it's still like at the drinkable stage <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh next is acidity Uh, which is a fun one, I think, because I've always heard it used a lot, like for a lot of drinks, actually, Um, Mm -hmm. but never really understood like really like why it was used, like because especially for coffee, because I think the idea of describing coffee as sour, like really confused me a little bit, because honestly, like it sounds unpleasant, mainly because I guess I associate coffee with more like, you know, you pair it with dairy. um, Yeah. And like sour and dairy just doesn't doesn't make much sense to me. But, you know, if you're drinking black coffee, it makes a lot of sense. And I thought, um, Mr. Hoffman's explanation made a lot of sense. Acidity and sourness is some of the more interesting parts of other foods we eat. And it really depends on the other flavors of the coffee that goes with it. Because let's say other foods, like, you know, a mild sourness in a lot of fruits is very nice. Like some of my favorite fruits tend to be my, like, I tend to like the taste because they add more sourness rather than like just like pure sweetness right um and you know like if you're having a really heavy fatty food like i don't know like a big block of meat or something like maybe like a sour vinegar sauce can be what you need to kind of cut through that um so when you're looking for acidity the same idea comes so you know the same idea of intensity and quality applies and also i guess the the context of like the rest of the coffee so yeah how Mm -hmm. do you find the sourness or acidity of your coffee
0: I feel like it's pretty smooth. Like, there's mm-hmm. not much. Because, uh, yeah, I, I think I've had coffee which were, I guess, yeah, sour, but not like vinegar sour type sour, but like a more mm-hmm. metallic y tip of the tongue, you mm-hmm. know, sour. But I think this was not that sour. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I don't know how to describe
0: yeah. not sour
1: <laughs> other with other than not I guess, sour. <laughs> I guess it's a low intensity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, like he talks about like how this intensity and quality scale applies as well, because you can have like, I guess, you know, um, an intense sourness that's also quality because like it complements the rest of like the coffee or whatever. But you can also have like a light sourness that's like nice or you can have a light sourness that just doesn't do anything. (laughs) Um, Right. But yeah, like anything goes really. And next is Sweetness which is an interesting element because coffee on its own is not sweet at all. And so bringing it back to that like taste bud episode, um, we experience the sensation of t- of sweetness with like compounds like glucose or sucrose, but none of that occur- naturally occurs in coffee or in like coffee beans. So what are we really looking for when we're talking about sweetness? Um, so it's a little bit more complex and subtle. Uh, it's like, a certain like sweet dryness that you feel.
0: Okay, I'm not gonna lie to you. <clears throat> not feeling that yet. <laughs> mm. Maybe it's so, not that great of a coffee. I don't know. You know, it maybe it's one that is not. It's it's so light. I don't have mm. the taste buds for it yet. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really hard to explain because it's just not your like traditional like what you mean by sweetness, which is like oh like sugar right yeah um, but there's actually like a chinese term that i think really explains it quite well like you know have you ever heard the like when you're drinking tea or whatever and also coffee like um sometimes like uh people will use a word like "huigan."
0: no i oh, sorry i don't know, I, sorry, I don't know what clear. the
1: cantonese word it is. <laughs> yeah um but like but i don't
0: think i've ever even heard something with that yeah i don't think i've ever heard yeah that it's that more
1: story. to do with like the like the dryness you you feel in your mouth after you drink drink it and for some reason it like evokes like a mild sensation of like sweetness but i don't know it's kind of complicated to explain um right but hence why it's like the toughest part i guess um yeah next is body which describes i guess texture or mouthfeel of the coffee Mm -hmm. um but like the more intuitive way to like i guess kind of understand it is like the difference between like whole milk and skim milk yeah um Yeah, so, you know, whole milk definitely tastes fuller or richer. And then, you know, skim milk is thinner and lighter. So, like, how would you say your coffee tastes?
0: Oh, I think it's, like, skim milk. This may be because of... Because I made it with that Mm. pour-over. The grounds were, like, larger. And I think I got the ratio wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's light. But I don't mind that. Mm. That's nice. That's nice.
1: And then another element to look out for is finish, which is like the aftertaste, like what you feel, Um, like the feeling left in your mouth after drinking your coffee.
0: Oh, wow. I've never noticed that. I think like on their side of the tongue, it's like Mm -hmm. soury. like Mm, It's like it's crisp or like, like it doesn't leave that much coffee flavor left. Like it's just kind of you taste it and it's gone.
1: Yeah. Ah, interesting. Because like that's like uh, it's like a big part. Like you like some coffees will you know leave a strong taste in your mouth for a long time after you've like, mm. swallowed, and some will like you know just be a fleeting thing. And then it's funny because you just talked about like the Christmas and like like that's exactly the type of thing that what you're looking out for when you're like describing acidity or like when you're like I guess analyzing uh, the acidity of the coffee. Because yeah, you just, wow. just you just said like you know like that zippy feeling on the side of your tongue, right? Like yeah, yeah. You know, wow so that's the thing like like you know it's all about like i guess noticing that and then just being like do i like this (laughs) right yeah does it compliment the rest of it
0: yeah like i would assume there's no right or wrong answer like if you like a Mm. vinegar level sour coffee that's you you know yeah yeah. (laughs) or if you want it to taste like one part coffee two million parts water that's you Uh, Mm.
1: (laughs) but yeah it's more just about noticing it right yeah wow that's like
0: yeah, I think the finish thing really—I I mean, like, I'm not gonna say blew my mind, but like I never paid attention to that because I just
1: mm. just just down it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then lastly, um, which is funny because is the last one, but is flavor, which is. The most interesting one to me actually, because like you can get super fancy with these descriptions. And like right. admittedly, like I've joked about it before. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. Oh, a hint of oak and um sliced quarter cubed melons. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> a touch of blueberry. Tip of my tongue. But a back end of pomegranates. <laughs>
1: Yeah, (laughs) like you can get super specific with it but you know when it really comes down to it like it makes it actually does make a lot of sense to use descriptions like fruits um, because you know we have a pretty limited range of words to describe like tastes with honestly like Mm -hmm. there's you can describe sourness but there's no real way for you to have a specific word to describe if it's a good sourness or if it's like a bad sourness like right Um, so, um, yeah, that's why we, you know, use fruits and other foods because it's just, it's a good reference point because you know what the other things taste like. You can relate it to it. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to go with Mr. Hoffman's philosophy of broader categories for flavors instead. Um, so like, just as like a starting point for things to look out for. So, um, some of them, you know, are like fresh fruits, uh, you know, your berries, your, um, you know things like apples or like pears, like your more crisp and fresh tastes. Like you can describe those with like fresh fruits. Um, and then, you know, if you have some more funky stuff, like, you know, you could use more fermented, like preserved things like jams or like tropical fruits, everything as in like, you know, as if you taste like more complex things, right? Like, right. Um, and then on the other end, like not your like crisp and light stuff, but you're more, I guess, heavy and, uh, like, fuller tastes, like, you could use descriptors that are kind of, like, baked goods, like, biscuits or caramel, you know.
0: Oh, um, Just those, yeah.
1: those, like, fuller notes. Uh, so, yeah, in summary, that's essentially what I've learned about tasting coffee, so I'm just looking forward to trying it out sometime and, like, keeping a mental tab of, like, you know, oh, like, what is it exactly that, like, I like about this coffee and everything.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, re- really coffee-loving episode this week. I mean, Yeah. thankfully, we didn't have the same topic, but also <laughs> amazingly, it really complements each other.
1: You know. <laughs> yes. So now, when you're having your uh, decaffeinated coffee, you can think about the carcinogens that <laughs> rip the caffeine out, <laughs> while you taste the nice astringent zippiness. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. The oh, the 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 orangey notes the or- of the
0: the dichloromethane. <laughs>
1: i really enjoy the um the astringent feeling of cancer growing on my tongue
0: (laughs) i mean don't absolutely don't worry again like unless you're consuming like 10 cups of coffee decaf coffee a day where it is over 10 parts per million Mm. you might have a slight higher chance you know like eating yeah. red meat is probably worse than having decaf <laughs> coffee. Like <laughs> I would say. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: So, what time is it, Colin?
0: It is fact time, Joseph. So hit me with that fun fact of yours.
1: So, keeping with the theme of what we've talked about today, um, you've heard of high tea, yes? <laughs> Oh, I thought we were talking
0: about coffee
1: again. <laughs> yes, I have heard of high tea. <laughs> yeah, no, I just did a little bait and switch there. <laughs> you thought I was going to bring a coffee fact? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, high tea, very popular in the UK and also in Hong Kong. Um, like, yeah, like, you know, fancy, like, displays of food. Uh, like Scones, and, yeah Jam. Nice little sandwiches. Uh, your nice teas and everything. Uh, So, fun fact, did you know that despite its elite sounding name, high tea was apparently a working class custom that originated around the 19th century?
0: Oh, then how did it get to the stage of reputation that it has now?
1: Um... I do not know (laughs) how it led up to that. (laughs) A fact
0: for next time. (laughs) Yes.
1: But uh, like the lingering remnants of, I guess, the working class custom is that like high tea was essentially like a full on meal. So it was a full dinner meal, which consists of a variety of meats, fish, eggs, cheese, bread and butter and cake. Uh, And so, yeah, like high tea is honestly like not like oh, like afternoon tea or something, it's not just a snack it's like a full on meal so that's kind of oh, the reference it, from it Was it called high tea
0: when it was a working class, like custom?
1: I think so oh. but I can't confirm <laughs>
0: Okay Okay, that's very interesting Wow Boy, aren't we lucky to have Joseph with his amazing fact
1: <laughs> Not about coffee
0: <laughs> Not about coffee but, you know you know, just another reason to subscribe or follow our podcast. Oh, transition, Colin. <laughs>
1: so- <laughs> He's just talking to himself Thank now. you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all again
0: for listening. And, and I guess we'll catch you next time.
1: Enjoy your coffee and your high tea. Yep. Good night.